and welcome to the Dreary Midnight Podcast. My name is Lisa, my pronouns are she, they. My name is Celeste, my pronouns are she, her. And tonight is a Celeste-led episode, so what are we talking about? Well, I have a little preamble. So originally, I was going to talk about, I was going to do another Appalachian Anomalies. I keep saying that wrong. Appalachian? Appalachian. Appalachian. Thank you, I said it right. Yeah. I was going to do another Appalachian Anomalies, but yesterday... You and I and a few of our friends went to a uh, Edgar Allan Poe-inspired escape room. Yeah. Which I was like... Okay, it's yesterday as we're recording this, but this is coming out in, like, late August, so it'll be a month ago by the time you hear this. Yeah, but, but at the time of recording and researching, it yeah. was yesterday. Yeah. So I was like, man, I should do something Poe-related, you know, that'd be fun. But the first episode of Dream Midnight Podcast was the um, mysterious death, death of, Edgar of Edgar Allan Poe. You should go listen to yeah. that. At least uh, did that episode. Listen to uh, me have a cold. Um. <laughs> I, really, I just, I just re-listened to it, and I could not tell that okay. you had a cold. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway. so I was like, okay, well, we've already covered the death of Edgar Allan Poe. Obviously, I was like, I don't want to do, like, a reading um, and I was just kind of scrolling through his Wikipedia page, being like, what else happened in his life? And then I heard about a woman named Lizzie Doton. Who? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, Lizzie Doton had um, a literal ghostwriter, which was Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, when you say literal ghostwriter. Well, today we're going to talk about the spiritualist poet, Lizzie Doughton. Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> so... I get where you're going with that. <laughs> um, but elaborate on that anyway, just to be sure. So Lizzie, so her name was Elizabeth Lizzie Doughton. Mm-hmm. She was an American poet, lecturer, and a trance speaker who was part of the spiritualist movement. Okay. For those who aren't familiar or who maybe just need a refresher, spiritualism was a social religious movement in the 19th century. Um, according to which an individual's awareness persists after death and may be contacted by the living. So it was started in uh, 1848 with the Fox sisters, which I think we've referenced on this uh, podcast yeah. before, yeah. which were the sisters who they used wrappings yeah. in order to uh, say that they were contacting the dead. Wasn't that also shown that like at least some of the time they had like Oh yeah, they could pop their knees. Or it something. was a, they. They admitted that they could. They basically um, had toe joints that made cracking noises uh, when yeah. they made the, put their toes like a certain way, and like I think knee joints too. Yeah. So um, that was kind of exposed as fraud, but it's basically what kickstarted the spiritualism movement. And of course, with every movement, there's always a bunch of social and economic things that like lead up to it. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but. So the spiritualism movement was ripe in the 1850s. Hmm. Now, Lizzie Doughton, she was born on April 1st, 1827 in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Okay. She was the seventh of nine children. I uh, know. Yeah. 
to parents Samuel and Rebecca Doughton. Okay. So Samuel was actually a descendant of Edward Doty, who was a passenger of the Mayflower and one of the signers of the Mayflower contract. Elizabeth's mother, Rebecca, or I should say Lizzie, because she always referred to herself as Lizzie, even a professional setting. Yeah. So Lizzie's mother, Rebecca, was also uh, was a descendant of William Bradford, who was uh, the pilgrim governor of the Plymouth Colony. So either way, the Downton family had connections. Like, I think yeah. two of her brothers um, were, like, fought in the Union Army, and they were, like, high-ranking officials. One of her brothers moved during the, the gold rush, and he became, like, a journalist and um, who wrote a lot of, like, writings about, you know, the West. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, Lizzie, she was educated in Plymouth Public School until 17 when she attended a private school for a year, and she was seen as very... She was very well educated, okay. um, especially for the time. And she wrote poetry in her childhood and continued... To write poetry and short stories through adulthood. She wrote a few stories and a few of her own poetry, but her most famous poems were those she obtained with the help of famous deceased authors, most notably Edgar Allan Poe. So keep in mind, this is the spiritualism movement. This is when people, their main thing is where we can get in contact with the dead. So this is when like mediums are really big, psychics. Is that when Ouija boards started to catch off? You know what? I haven't looked into that, but I 100% think that's that's probably true. Okay. Because that's basically what they would do, seances and stuff. Okay. In her first book of poetry, Poems of the Inner Life, she wrote a very, very long opening (laughs) where she describes uh, the mystical experiences from her childhood. And I'm just getting snippets because literally this is a very long intro. Okay. So... Looking back upon my experience, I cannot doubt that I, with many others, was destined to this phase of development and designed for this peculiar work before I knew conscious being. My brain was fashioned and my nervous system finally strong so that I should inevitably catch the thrill of the innumerable voices resounding through the universe and translate their messages into human language as coherently and clearly as my imperfections would allow. Okay. That's how she explained, like, how it happened. Okay. Then she says, I turned back to the memories of my childhood, to that long course of trying experiences through which I passed, guided by strange and invisible influences. And that whole course of discipline has for me now a peculiar significance. Those who were near and dear to me and who were most familiar with my habits of life knew little of my intense spiritual experience. I was much too afraid of being ridiculed and misunderstood to dare give any expression to the strange and indefinable emotions within me. Such ones, however, may call to mind the child who often, through the long winter evenings, sat in profound silence by the fireside, with her head and face enveloped in her apron, as to exclude, as far as possible, all external sight and sound. Then she goes into a whole bunch of other stuff, and then she kind of explains how this would happen. So, often, in the retirement of a small closet, I spend hours in total darkness, lying prostrate on the floor, beating the waves of the mysterious infinite that rolled in a stormy flood over me, and with prayers and tears beseeching deliverance from my blindness and seeming unbelief. Then, 
When by my earnestness the spirit had become stronger than the flesh, I would gradually fall into a deep trance from which I would, t I would arise strengthened and consoled by the assurance. From whence I could not tell that somewhere in the future I should find all the life and light and freedom that my soul desired. The only evidence or knowledge which those around me received of such visitations was occasionally a poem, some of them written so early in life that the childish choreography uh, rendered them almost illegible. So basically she's saying that since she was a kid, she would go into these trances and she would be given like extra terrestrial or like spiritual knowledge from another realm huh. and even as a child she would get like little glimpses of poems and she would write them down but because she was a child and it didn't look it, it just didn't yeah. make sense yeah but apparently she this is all she also alluded to like premonitions where it's like oh i knew that in the future i would these would all make sense to me or something yeah so throughout the years uh lizzie got more in tune with these visions and authors okay so this is how she explains actually how she gets the poems so in relation to the poems given under direct spirit influence i would say that there has been a mistake existing in many minds concerning them which i take the present opportunity as far as possible to correct they were not like lightning flashes coming unheralded and vanishing without leaving a trace behind several days before they were given i would receive intimations of them Oftentimes, and particularly under the influence of Poe, I would awake in the night from a deep slumber and detached fragments of those poems would be floating through my mind, though in a few moments after they would vanish, uh, though in a few moments after they would vanish like a dream. I have sometimes awakened myself by repeating them out loud. I have been informed also by these influences that all their poems are as complete and finished in spirit life as they are in this and the only reason why they cannot be repeated again and again is because of the difficulty of bringing a human organism always into the same state of exaltation, a state in which mediums readily receive inspiration and render the poems with the least interference of their own intellect. Huh. Yeah. So she, it's basically like she has a muse. The only difference is that this these muses are the literal spirits of authors telling her what to write in their name. Any okay. thoughts so far? Uh, <laughs> I am a little bit worried for her health, uh, physically <laughs> and mentally. Um, but also, it's a spiritualist movement, so if there's if there's not a stigmatized framework around it, then yeah, all right. She literally said that when she was a child, it would have been stigmatized, but now yeah. she is being super open with this. Yeah. So, as I stated before, there were several authors. Um, so, she claimed not only to receive writings from Edgar Allan Poe, but also from Robert Burns and William Shakespeare. But for the purposes of this podcast, we'll focus on Poe, since not only is it thematically accurate for the Three Midnight podcast, yeah. but she also has the most poems by him, and they were the most popular ones. Okay. So, I have a few poems um, that... Poe wrote in his laughter life, apparently, that okay. I would like to read to you. And then okay. we'll, we'll see what you think of them. Okay. Hit me with it. So, I'm only going to read a couple just because they are very long. Okay. And <laughs> so the most famous ones are The Streets of Baltimore and Farewell to Earth. 
So the streets of Baltimore, and uh, I think Leonore. Leonore? Yeah. Um, the streets of Baltimore is a poem, apparently from the point of, apparently from Edgar Allan Poe, that speaks about his death. Okay. Yes. Shout out to episode one. Shout so. out to episode one. Wait, I thought he died in Richmond. Um, he, I think he... I mean, he lived for a long time in Baltimore, but I thought he died in Richmond. I thought he was going from Richmond to either New York or Philadelphia and then stopped in Baltimore, and that's Oh, yeah, he was fine him. in Baltimore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Lisa, you don't remember from, like, two year years and a half? Yeah, a year and a half ago. Two years. So, I want to say that there's a spiritualist magazine or newspaper called The Banner of Light, or Banner of Light, that... That Lizzie was Lizzie Doton was referenced in and like uh, like had stories about her a lot. So there's this is a little excerpt that's from Banner of Light. Uh, Edgar A. Poe, as the circumstances attendant upon the death of Poe were not generally known, it may be well to present the facts in connection with the following poem. Having occasion to pass through Baltimore a few days before his intended marriage with a lady of family and fortune in Virginia. Poe met with some of his old associates, who induced him to drink with them, although, as we are informed, he had entirely abstained for a year. This aroused the appetite which had so long slumbered within him, and in a short time he wandered forth into the streets in a state of drunken delirium, and was found the next morning literally dying from exposure. He was taken to a hospital, and on the 7th of October, 1849, at the age of 38, he closed his troubled life. I thought he was 40. I thought he was 42. <laughs> I thought he was 40 as well, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So when I was reading this, I was like, they either didn't do their math right, <laughs> or they just didn't cross-reference. <laughs> yeah. Um, the tortures and terrors of that night of suffering are vividly portrayed in the following poem, composed in spirit life and given by him through the mediumship of Miss Lizzie Doughton at the conclusion of her lecture in Baltimore on Sunday evening, January 11th, 1863. So Banner of Light is saying... Now that we have Poe's writing, we know what actually happened with his death. He is actually 38. <laughs> <laughs> he was just drunk um, because this is, you know, because yeah. this is a spiritualist magazine. And so they're like, we have this the is the answers. facts. Yeah. Okay. So this is The Streets of Baltimore. Woman weak and woman mortal, through thy spirit's open portal, I would read the runic record of mine earthly being o'er. I would feel that fire returning, which within my soul was burning, when my star was quenched in darkness, set to rise on earth no more, when I sank beneath life's, bur life's burden in the streets of Baltimore. Oh, those memories sore and saddening, oh, that the night of anguish maddening, when my lone heart suffered shipwreck on a demon-haunted shore, when the fiends grew wild with laughter and the silence following after was more awful and appalling, then the cannon's deadly roar, then the tramp of mighty armies through the streets of Baltimore. Like a fiery serpent coiling, like a maelstrom madly boiling, did this flinch thin of fury sweep my shuddering spirit o'er, rushing onward blindly reeling, tortured by intensest feeling, like Prometheus when the vultures through his quivering vitals tore, swift I fled from death and darkness through the streets of Baltimore. No one near to save nor or love me, no kind face to watch above me, though I heard the sound of footsteps like the waves upon the shore, beating, 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 now advancing, now retreating, with a dull and dreary, dreary rhythm, 
with a long continuous roar, heard the sound of human footsteps in the streets of Baltimore. There at length they found me lying, weak and wildered, sick and dying, and my shattered wreck of being to a kindly refuge bore. But my woe was past enduring, and my soul cast off its mooring, crying as I floated outwards, I am of the earth no more. I have forfeited life's blessing in the streets of Baltimore. Where west thou, O power eternal, when the fiery fiend infernal beat me with his burning fasces, still I, till I sink to rise no more. Oh, was all my lifelong error crowded in that night of terror. Did my sin find expiation, which to judgment went before, summoned to a dread tribunal in the streets of Baltimore. Nay, with deep delirious pleasure, I had drained my life's full measure till the fatal fiery serpent fed upon my being's core. Then with force and fire volcanic, summoning a strength titanic, did I burst the bonds that bound me, battered down my being's door, fled and left my shattered dwelling to the dust of Baltimore. Gazing back without lamenting, with no sorrowful repenting, I can read my life's sad story in a light unknown before. For there is no woe so dismal, not an evil so abysmal, but a rainbow arch of glory spawns, spans the yawning chasm o'er, and across that bridge of beauty did I pass from Baltimore. In that grand eternal city where the angel hearts take pity on the sin which men forgive not or inactively deplore, Earth has lost the power to harm me, death can never more alarm me, and I drink fresh inspiration from the source which I adore. Through my spirit's apathesis, that new birth in Baltimore. Now no longer sadly yearning, yearning, love for love finds sweet returning, and, the, and there comes no ghastly raven tapping at my chamber door. Calmly in the golden glory, I can sit and read life's story. For my soul from out that window hath been lifted evermore from that deep and dismal shadow in the streets of Baltimore. Damn! I know! <laughs> Alright then. Um, that's a lot. Uh, it's very evocative of the Raven. And yes. not just the shade at the end. Because um, yes. it's the same sort of mm -hmm. rhyme scheme and stuff. Now... His last poem uh, was Farewell to Earth, which okay. was uh, purports to be Poe's final farewell to Earth. It was given in the city of New York, Monday evening, November 2nd, 1863. Okay. It's like four really long verses. So I'm going to read like the first verse, and then I'm going to just skip to the bottom okay. and read like the very last bit. Okay. So first stanza and like the last bit of the last stanza. Um, if we'll you want to read to the whole yeah. poem, I will list. This is in li literally like her entire book of poems. Um, okay. Just that you can read through. Yeah. Um, cool. Of the first book that she ever published of poems. Okay. So this is Farewell to Earth. Farewell, farewell, like the music of a bell floating downward to the dell, downward from some alpine height, while the sunset embers bright fade upon the hearth of night. So my spirit, voiceless, breathless, indestructible, and deathless, from the heights of life a cilian, gives earth my parting song. Downward through the starlit spaces, unto earth's most lowly places, like the sun-born strains of Memnon, let the music float along. With a wild and wayward rhythm, with a movement deep and strong, come up higher, cry the angels, this must be my parting song. 
Earth, O oh earth, thou art my mother, mortal man, thou art my brother. We have shared a mutual sorrow, we have known a common birth. Yet with all my soul's endeavor, I will sunder and forever every tie of human passion that can bind my soul to earth. Every slavish tie that binds me to the things of little worth. Come up higher, cry the angels, come and bid farewell to earth. I would bear a love platonic to the souls in earthly life. I would give a sign masonic to the heroes of this, in the strife. I have been their fellow craftsman, bound apprentice to that art, whereby life that cunning draughtsman builds his temple in the heart. But with earth no longer mated, I have passed the first degree. I have been initiated to the second mystery. Oh, it's high and holy meaning, not one soul shall fail to see. Now with loftiest aspirations onward through the worlds I march, through the countless constellations, upward to the royal arch. Come up higher, cranes cried the angels come to the royal arch and then i'm just going to skip to the bottom and it's going to say sons of earth where ye dwell break temptation's magic spell truth is heaven and falsehood hell lawless lest a demon fell sons of earth where ye dwell in this heaven or in this hell where ye hear the solemn swell of creation's mighty bell sounding forth time's funeral knell you shall meet me where I dwell. Until then, farewell, farewell. Okay. Okay. Once again, similar cadence. Yeah. To the Raven. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah. There was a publication okay. of a. The publication was called Spring. The Springfield Republican. I think it was a newspaper, mm-hmm. and it covered Doton's works, uh, saying that either she, or whoever it was that wrote the poem. Um, must have been very familiar with the writings of Poe, because yeah, it has like very similar. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it 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 sounds like it could have been you know yeah. written by him. Yeah. So Lizzie responded to this, um, saying, "As no one wrote the poem for me, consequently I am the only one who can answer to the supposi- supposition, and I can say most conscientiously that previous to that time." I had never read, to my knowledge, any of his poems save The Raven, and I had not seen that for several years. Indeed, I may well say in this connection that I have read, comparatively speaking, very little poetry in the course of my life and have never made the style of any author a study. Which okay. is hilarious, because she did yeah. write poetry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she obviously studied it. But and also, mean, I saw your face yeah. when I said that the only poem she read was The Raven. Yeah, and The Raven is very <laughs> distinctive in its own right, right? It's very distinctive. It was also very popular at the time. Yeah, um, and I mean, I feel like even... I don't listen to some popular bands, but if you said, like, oh, have you heard this song? It goes, like, dah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever the song goes, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I've probably heard it in the zeitgeist before. Yeah. So, so The Raven was first published in January 1845, and it was, like, an instant success. And there were a lot of people who, it says, this one <laughs> article says, it became, in a way, a 19th century meme. With people taking up its verse form and scenario in their own ends, uh, be they comic, satiric, or serious. So she had to have been exposed to it with more than just having read it that one time. Yeah. Especially if it was literally like a meme. So it got parodied a lot. Like, Mm. there's a whole list, and this will also be in the links, um, the sources. But there's, I'm showing you right now. This is, so that's the original. These are all the parodies. Okay. And Uh, like... 
you know, versions of it that have been made over the years. Okay. That is a lot. And a lot of them are from like the 1850s. Yeah. Um, So even if she... So even if she had only vaguely heard of the raven, she'd probably had... The the, cadence. In the zeitgeist. Exactly. All right. Yeah, no, I can... You can tell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Especially with the streets of Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's just like... You got, I think, until, like, the second or third stanza by the time I was like, are you, are you sure that this isn't just someone extending the raven a little bit? Yeah, like exactly. Anyway. So, also, um, so, yeah, she basically said um, she communicated, or Poe communicated with her Shakespeare, uh, Burns. She also, at some point, got, like, a prophetic reading. Oh, not prophetic reading. Uh, she, she made a poem about the fate of Sir John Franklin, which was um, the Franklin expedition. That was happened. that the one that caught in the ice? Yes, the yeah. Arctic expedition. Yeah. Uh, before they knew what happened to them, she was like... So she was kind of dab- even dabbling in, like, prof- prophecies, you yeah. know? Yeah, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. So, um, why was there such a focus on Edgar Allan Poe? Why well, was there such a focus on Edgar Allan Poe? <laughs> I mean, us, the hosts of a podcast called Dreary Midnight, <laughs> would like to know. Besides the fact that Poe's work is just very good. Yeah. It's um, timeless, jarring. Yeah. You know, it has that, not like he has the, he has that nice mix of like, it's easy to understand, but it's also like, there are some lines that are like, damn, you yeah. know? Yeah. Poe was really, like, the perfect candidate to become a spiritualist icon. Not just because of, like, yeah, all the things we said. He's a very iconic gothic writer. Yeah. Um, But I... (laughs) So Poe wasn't, like, into that whole spiritual side of things. He, He did not believe in it, even if he wrote about it. Yeah. So he wrote some satirical stories, such as the facts of Case... The facts in the case of M. Valdemar and Mesmeric Revelation. But sometimes those stories weren't read as satires. They, were, they weren't read on satires as satires on mesmerism, but they were writ- read as like a case history on mesmerism. You know what I mean? Oh, like, they were read as fact when they were written as fiction. Exactly. Yeah. Mesmeric Revelation in particular was once straight-facedly reproduced in the London popular record of modern science. Which, that must have pissed off Poe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he didn't believe in that. Yeah. Um, so he was already kind of an icon of that whole, like, movement. Yeah. It's like, look, he believes in what we believe in, even though he didn't. Yeah. He also died in 1849, which is only a year after the spiritualism movement started, because remember, it started with the Fox sisters in 1848. Oh, yeah. His death also being a mystery and like just everything just made Poe like the perfect like this is our gothic poster boy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and again, he wasn't super popular until after he died. Like, I was revisiting the episode and like three or five people attended his his funeral. funeral. Uh, They didn't even bother with a sermon because there were so few people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tim, you, I think you said that the, it was like three minutes long, like yeah. his funeral. Yeah, three minutes, five minutes, something like that. 
It says either three minutes and five people or five minutes and three people. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it was a short amount of time and a short amount of Somalian people. Um, But yeah, so Poe actually was a frequent guest to many spiritualists, uh, including Lydia Tenney, who lobbied to have her work that was Message from the Spirit of E.A. Poe added to Poe's collected works. So imagine... That's presumptive. Yeah, I was like, imagine believing so strongly... That that he has a conduit, um, that, that you are a conduit, conduit for him. That yeah. you're like, well, this is his work, and we should put it in his, you know. But uh, then, how do you prove that one way or the other, though? You, you can't. Know? Yeah. Lizzie was another one of these spiritualists who said that he was, um, you know, talking to her through poetry yeah. or talking poetry. To- <laughs> <laughs> talking. To the uh, the to the world through her with his poetry, I guess was what Lizzie was saying. Yeah, she was very popular spiritualist. Like I said before, she was mentioned many times in Banner of Light. She attended lectures in which she would recite poetry given by direct spiritual influence in public. So she okay. would just like go into a trance and start spouting Sweet. poetry. Okay, um, wish I could do that, but all right. <laughs> I did read that during her lectures. Before she, like, got into the whole, like, okay, now I'm going to do the poem, she would speak about her religious philosophy, about women's rights, and other social reforms. Mm. She championed the cause of equal pay for women and spoke out against marriage as a means of survival. Huh. Yes, which is cool as hell. Yeah. And now I have a theory. What? Okay, first off, I'm going to read a little excerpt from, uh, I think this is a book it's called the cryptographic imagination secret writing from edgar poe to the internet and it's chapter five resurrect g poe in the crypt of lizzie doton and this quote is in regard to spiritualism right okay the movement also liberated the pen as female spiritualists turned to the use of a nom dom to circumvent the gender and class restrictions placed on their writing possessed by the spirit of a quaker named patience worth pearl curran poured forth a serious and torrential literary output, dictating plays, dramatic poems, and novels, most of which were published. When entrenched, she could write two works at once, shifting effortlessly back and forth between them. In in 1928, Ara May Holland burst suddenly into song, an event that so shocked her husband that he wrote a book trying to explain the phenomenon. Hmm. For a lucky few, for the lucky few, Spiritualism even provided a career. Doton made a better living through trans lectures and royalties received from volumes of poetry, a novel, Hesper the Home Spirit, Story of Household Labor and Love, and a collection of short fiction than she ever had as an impoverished needleworker and teacher. Huh. Interesting. So, my theory is that she did this on purpose where she knew I can be a writer, I can be an author, but I can get an edge by saying that these poems are written by famous uh, authors, and yeah. then I can write my own poetry and put it in that book, because the whole first half of her poetry book is her own works, and the second half is her the works that she was that she had uh, with yeah. other authors, okay. the other dead authors. So my theory is that she knew she didn't think that he was actually talking to her but she kind of used it to her advantage 
And then when she actually gained a platform, she like speaked out against things that she actually believed in, like women equality. I like that. And that is my theory. And I don't know if I'm wrong or right, but I like it. Yeah. Because it kind of makes her... She was a very educated woman. Yeah. I, like, she was... Um, and she came from a very prominent family. Yeah. So it's not, like, super prominent. But I feel like it was... She and she never, like... Uh, she... I don't know. She never, like, uh, was malicious with any of the things that she said. She wasn't like, oh, you know, I can talk to somebody's relatives or something. Yeah. So, to me, it's just a little... It's not necessarily innocent. She's still tricking people. But I like my theory that she was just being very smart. And getting herself a platform to also advocate for other things. Exactly. I like that. So... Lizzie published her last book in 1871 and retired from public speaking in 1880, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably for health reasons, although according to at least one source, Miss Downton withdrew from the, or Miss Doughton, sorry, withdrew from the lecture field and mediumistic work by reason of the fact that she had become unable to determine the point at which her personality ceased to act and the agency of spirit influence began. So mm-hmm. according to one source, it was just that she was getting too caught up in the, you know. Yeah spiritual stuff and so Mm. she retired in the 1880s she moved to california where she married longtime companion zabadiel adams willard and what a name i know she married him in 1902 at the age of 75 all right so that's pretty cool yeah (laughs) might as well wait how old was he also in his 70s he was yeah he also was in his 70s so in the here i am thinking a little bit it could be someone in their 30s which is like uh. No, because I think he was also born, when she was born in 1827, he was born in 1826. Okay. So he was only a year older than her. Yeah. Um, what I, what is from the, like, research, it seemed like after his wife died, they got married. So oh, I like feel like right they after? were, like, lifelong friends. Uh, and then... And then also quote-unquote friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, after they got married, Lizzie and Zabadil, <laughs> Zabadil... <laughs> Moved yeah. back to Massachusetts, and Lizzie died January 15th, 1913, at the age of 85. She lies buried in the Willard family plot at Mount Auburn Cemetery. Cool. And that is the life and works of Lizzie Doton. All right. <laughs> so, what do you think? I mean, I think she's also, she's very much subject to the, the constructs of the time. In yeah. a lot of ways, um, both with spiritualism and with the social causes against which she is trying to act. I had never heard of her. Same. This is my first but time. But when I went, was like researching her, I was like, this is really interesting. Yeah. And I feel like she falls into a certain category, as you say, with your own theory of like, who have something to say but need to fudge the platform in order to get one in order to say it. With all that said, what are your thoughts? Uh, we would love to hear drearymidnightpodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at drearymidnightpod. Uh, are we a conduit for... <laughs> certainly for hope Edgar not. Info. <laughs> <laughs> Rate and review. Spotify and Apple Podcasts are the yes. best way to do that. Uh, and therefore to reach new listeners. And if you uh, like us and want to give us money, we would very much appreciate that. Patreon.com slash Dreary Midnight. With all that said, be careful about being a conduit for things. Just 
Yeah, and um, play safe with spirits in be, every sense of the word. <laughs> be wary of ghost riders. Yeah, <laughs> literally. In any, again, in any sense of the word. <laughs> and safe travels home on this dreary midnight. Good night. Good night.